Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now a part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Renette Senum. She's in Nevada City, California, and we're going to talk about uh, you know her work surrounding COVID, masks, pandemics, 5G, etc. So, Renette, thanks for coming. Thanks, Rich. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your your background and um, how did you become aware of some of the topics we're going to talk about, and you know we'll get into your interactions with them. Right. So, well, basically, I, I, I'm from this area, Nevada City, California. It's, the county is known as Nevada County, though we're in California. And I was raised here uh, since I was four years old, though I've lived in other places. And it was about 2005, I really started getting involved in sustainability and, and resiliency for communities. And ultimately, that led me to run for city council in 2008. And I, I got the most votes in the 150-year the history of Nevada City. And I became vice mayor, then mayor. I served my four years. I took four years off after that, thought I was done. And then I jumped back in the council again from 2012 to 2020. And um, it was interesting, though, the, the difference between my first my first term, which is 2008 to 12, and then from 16 to 20, the first four years were fabulous. Lots of proactive, creative projects I was implementing. And then, interestingly enough, 2016 to 20, it was a lot more defense, right? There's a lot more problems, everything from homelessness to fires to COVID to electrical blackouts for, that went for days and days and destroyed businesses. And the world changed a lot in, in between those two terms. And in my second term, and I also was became vice mayor and mayor for my second time. For my second term, I we were fighting a cell tower actually in downtown historic Nevada City. We're an old gold mining town, um, very well preserved. And they were proposing f- uh, eight, actually eight antennas on the top of one of our historic buildings because it just wasn't wasn't necessary. We we had the service. We didn't need more service. Uh, it it didn't fit. It didn't fit the the aesthetics of our little tiny gold rush town. And and though I was an early adopter of, of Wi-Fi and cell phones. I had the first cellular phone store in this county in 1991. I had been learning a lot about wireless devices and the impact, the biological impacts on us. So I pushed that those antennas. I was on the forefront of pushing that out of town and we did not get these eight antennas in downtown Nevada City, but it was at that time that 5G, the millimeter wave began to pop up and a bill called SB 649 had been uh, proposed in California, which was going to basically just absolutely put 5G millimeter wave antennas up and down California everywhere. And I started to dive into that. I learned and reached out to a lot of experts around the nation and the world. And I realized that it should not be used in the public for the most part. Um, it is it's actually a military application. So I began to fight against that, SB 649. What do you mean it's a military application? 
I thought it was supposedly so we could download movies faster or something. <laughs> right. Well, that's what they tell us. And maybe you can. There's actually a lot of questions about it, actually, as, as far as being that that good, that much better. Uh, no, it was actually, it's utilized in the military. It is, it's utilized as a frequency that they've been utilizing actually for many, many years. In fact, uh, Israel and Russia, there are countries that actually make it illegal for the millimeter wave, the 5G millimeter wave to be used in the public realm. And so this is used as a weapon, 5G millimeter wave is weaponized. It can do many different things, everything from target an individual uh, and actually literally drop them dead with a heart attack, or you can even scramble the the brains. I I do have some dear friends who are former, you know, Air Force and they're veterans. And they said, oh yeah, we used to fly over certain countries in the Middle East and we would just literally just fry their brains. They, the people, the individuals on the ground drop to the the ground. Yeah. So So it's like an, it can be used as like essentially. Oh, it's warfare. It's it's EMF EMF warfare. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's warfare. So and the other thing, there's that, okay, so you have that, we know it can be weaponized. Uh, the other thing we know is that there are certain companies, Chinese-owned companies called ZTE and Huawei, who have actually had their hands slapped numerous times uh, by legislators. Basically, they're just, they've been implementing and and uh, putting uh, chips and, uh, and devices into um, many of our devices, many of our cell towers, maybe even our cell phones. And the problem is, is that this is actually quite dangerous because this could be considered backdoors as well to ZTE and Huawei, which are Chinese owned, which is basically that means it's owned by the Chinese government. And yeah, but the so, Chinese Communist Party is like a very loving, wonderful, you know, like human rights respecting people, though, right? I mean, I they know, only they're, want to they're, help us, they're, don't they? they are trying to sell that these days, aren't they? They are trying to sell sell that. But uh, yeah, the Chinese Communist Party parties we know it's 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 pretty egregious in its human rights activities everything from their camps to their prisons to their unfortunately to their organ harvesting and so on you know it's it's and they're they're brilliant people they're brilliant strategists and so they've been very quietly doing a lot of different things we also know about a month and a half ago there was a, a, a whistleblower that gave a data dump and this had to do with the fact that for many many years now the CCP has been slowly and quietly been and implementing CCP members throughout the United States and Europe. We're talking legislature, we're talking legislature, we're talking the government, the governor positions, even um, some of our higher education boards, and even some of our pharmaceutical boards as well. And so they said there's over 2 million of these CCP members have been implemented and placed um, throughout the United States and Europe. And so, um, so this is quite alarming. And I don't think people realize it's it's China's at the forefront, but I'm sure there's a lot more behind them. But I don't believe people really realize the move, the major move that China's making all across the planet right now. And so well, going back to uh, to 5G for a minute. So what? Right. There's a big push to install it everywhere. You know, people are being now sold phones that can use 5G. But what do you think will be the good and the bad of it rolling out? If it roll, I mean, it seems like it's rolling out and they can't be. Well, it's, so it's rolling out in spite of, in spite a, a large group of doctors and experts and scientists from around the world who have also who have put together petitions like the five G uh, global appeal and who have written letters. We also have what's called the Bio Initiative Report, that is uh, is the clearinghouse and repository for peer-reviewed studies that are updated every five years. And these are these are people who know the latest information and science 
science and medical research and empirical evidence around just regular Wi-Fi frequencies as well as the millimeter wave. And so it is being sold to us as well. You can download faster and then you'll have better service. But actually where 5G has been implemented, uh, including even smart houses, people are having a lot of problems. They really aren't uh, that secure, first of all. And they don't seem to be better than what would be considered, you know, like an ethernet cable, for instance, being hardwired in. This is the safest, being hardwired in, your computer, your phone is the least hackable. It's the most secure. It's faster. It's the most reliant. 5G is being sold as something different, but we know for a fact it, there's a much larger end game. And that end game ultimately is the internet of things where basically everything will have a sensor. Actually, most of our items these days do have an RFID chip, a sensor in them. We're talking different products from baby products to building products, to clothing, to your car, to all these different things have these little RFID chips. And once 5G supposedly is in place, then what will happen is that even what you're wearing will have sensors in them. Everywhere you go, everything you do, there'll be a, a type of triangulation that will happen so that there will, you will always be the hive mind will always know where you are. And it sounds very sci-fi, but we, we do know this is, is the actual intention right now of, of Silicon Valley and, and big tech. And so the problem with that is, for instance, right now, when you have, let's say, a 4G uh, phone or a 3G phone, well, you can opt out of being surveilled and tracked, right? By just leaving your cell phone at home. But once 5G and then the next iteration is 6G is in place, you can leave your cell phone at home. But no matter where you go, You'll be tracked all the time, what you're doing, who you're with, and so on. But even within your own home, uh, what products you're using, uh, what room you're in, whether you're having sex with your partner or you're on the toilet or whatever, right? It's, it's, it's the system with, will with know the, exactly with, what with you're 5G doing. 5G or with 6G? That's with 5G and then 6G is, is even more so. But 5G will be doing that. It's already doing. But 5G, that. you would require what smart devices in your home for that to happen, or what well, would there's be already there are already a lot of smart devices in our homes, right? Everything from our security systems in our homes to our ovens to our televisions to our computers to our modems to our phones. There are already a lot of devices out there that have these type of antennas on them. But then there are also products that have sensors, and what's really crazy is with 5G, and again, this is a peer-reviewed study, is that the way 5G works, the, the millimeter wave. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. And 5G is just more of an over arching um, umbrella of technology, but it's the millimeter wave specifically that I'm, I'm speaking to. Believe it or not, it actually can utilize your sweat glands and the sweat within your skin as an antenna. And what I mean by that is that, and again, this comes from a peer-reviewed study. What I mean by that is that your antenna can receive and send information. Your, your sweat glands can receive and send information, which is a horrific 
concept to think that your body is going to be a walking antenna, always sending and receiving information. And again, as far as the physiological, the biological impacts of this, um, there's only so much that we know. It's a, it's a gigantic biological experiment. Um, well, how, so how could is, your body send it? What would it send? Well, it's it's basically it has to do with like the, the the crystals, the salt crystals in your body. They can actually vibrate and send out information and receive information. So you just you know you you know because an antenna many times is just like a little crystal, right? Well, your body has some crystalline salts essentially in them, and um, and they can receive and send information, which is because you have to understand the way the millimeter wave works is that vibrates at a very, very high frequency. And in fact, it, it vibrates at such a high frequency. It's equivalent to, let's say the opera singer, right? The quintessential opera singer uh, hitting a high pitch and then shattering the wine glass. Well, we know for a fact that the millimeter wave does that. It literally, it literally shakes your cells back and forth at a high, high, high vibration. And, um, and this, this is a particular signal. So that can send within that signal can send certain information. Unfortunately, we do know that smaller uh, beings such as our pollinators, you know, small birds, insects, and so on, even the healthy mi- microbiome or, uh, in, in the soil gets rattled to death. It gets literally vibrated to death from this frequency. Uh, and again, these are from peer-reviewed studies. There's hundreds of different studies around the world that have shown this happens. So this is one reason why we know the pollinator uh, population has been decreasing is because of because of the massive proliferation of cell tam- cell antennas everywhere just regular right 3g 4g antennas modems cell phones i mean i can give you a perfect example just think about 20 years ago when driving along farmland or down a major interstate when you get to a gas station you have to sit there and wash your windshield and and literally remove all the the splatter of bugs right on your windshield well now you can drive through farmland you could drive for hours you can drive through states and you won't even get one bug splatter on your your windshield um one of the reasons for this is we do know of course there's insecticides and so on they're reducing the the bug population but we also know that around antennas the bug population also goes down especially bees honeybees and of course our highways our interstates are absolutely slathered up and down everywhere with cell antennas so it's not just one specific item but we know this is one of many items that was reducing this very important uh population of, of pollinators and other insects and birds is there a is there a city or neighborhood that is you know covered in in 5g as well and has there been observations on the health of people and animals in that area is there a a place like that yet? Well, there's actually, yes, there have been, as a matter of fact, uh, in Sacramento area and San Francisco, they did place 5G. Uh, some of the children, uh, they actually had to completely buffer their whole entire house, spending thousands of dollars to try to essentially insulate it from the frequencies. And these were these millimeter wave antennas right put out in front of the people's homes against against their will, uh, in spite of their protest. And the children were being affected right away. And you have to understand it's going to be the young, it's going to be the, the fetuses and the unborn. It's going to be actually three generations that are going to be more affected than us. For instance, you know, I could be a, by a 5G antenna and, and I will be affected. I'm, I am uh, sensitive to these things for sure. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. But children in particular and the unborn are in much more peril simply because 
as you can imagine, their bodies are developing, they're growing, and their cells are multiplying. So that means what would have taken perhaps me 10 or 20 or 30 years to develop a cancer will take a child or an infant two years, three years, four years. So they're in a much greater risk. So we have seen these millimeter wave antennas being placed near homes, near schools, and we are seeing a, a, a huge spike in leukemias, the deadly brain tumor known as glioblastoma. Um, we're also seeing just from the cell phones alone in, in teenagers and children's uh, pockets, there's a huge uptick now, not in only glioblastomas with from like 20, 20, 20 year olds to 29 year olds. And this glioblastoma used to be reserved for 64 years older and older, I should say. We're now seeing it with young people because they've been holding that phone next to their head for five to 10 years. But we're also seeing a rise in prostate cancer in children, in teenage boys. We're seeing a rise in uh, rectal and colon cancer in teenagers, in 20-year-olds, because again, we're the placement of their phone. So yeah, we're seeing pockets, we're seeing clusters, uh, we're seeing this also in schools that have put 5G and other regular even cell, cell towers on their school grounds. We're seeing clusters of cancer with children particularly. Yeah, this is all terrible. So what's the planned rollout of 5G in the United States? Like, Is there a map of it? Is there a... Well, it's it's intensified a lot just in the last year when, when we all went into qu- uh, quarantine. Uh, they really, they had a lot of crews around the whole entire United States that were rolling out fiber optics. Well, fiber optics is great, right? Fiber optics is what you want. It's basically, um, you know, hard, hardwired rather than utilizing, a, you know, a wireless device. But the problem is, is that they have been hanging on these these the broadband that the wires or the cables between our poles they've been hanging what are called uh, strand mounted antennas well to let you know uh, a few years ago when i was on the council i uh, was working towards putting a wireless ordinance in place to protect ourselves from 5g and other wireless devices and i'm not a luddite i'm not opposed to this but you know there there is you know every everything in in moderation right and right now what we're just doing is saturating ourselves and intensifying the the output so you know i believe in the devices, but you just have to have a heck of a lot less because it impacts us. But we have this wireless ordinance to protect ourselves. But unfortunately, the city only has control of the the poles, the power poles, the light poles in the public right away and what hangs on those power poles. Well, what had happened is the telecom realized they can sidestep our local authority by actually hanging on the actual fiber optic cables themselves between the poles these things called strand mounted antennas. And those are basically 5G and they're everywhere. They're all across the United States and they put them in their schools too. So when we were all forced into quarantine, they started ro- instantaneously across the United States. They were rolling out these telecom uh, you know, service trucks everywhere and installing these and extending these cables and these 5G strand mounted antennas all throughout the United States and within the school systems themselves. So I don't know, when can listeners expect to... Uh to be surrounded by 5G? Well, it depends on where you are. If you are in an urban area, let's say San Francisco, Sacramento, Los Angeles, San Diego, uh, you're already being bathed in 5G. And the problem is, is that what people don't realize is it's really hard to know it's impacting you because everybody's different, right? And so you have to understand that what 5G and what just wireless devices in general do is they exacerbate any illnesses or weaknesses you may have. Um, They also cause inflammation throughout the body. So if you have a cancer or let's say you have Parkinson's disease, or you have uh, even Alzheimer's disease or childhood leukemia, these wireless devices 
vices exacerbate your illnesses and they also inflame your body. So depending upon your epigenetics, depending upon your, uh, your history of diet, exercise, right? Uh, chemical exposure, depending on all these different things. And these, these devices will impact you differently. So many people don't realize that it's causing them anxiety. It's causing them depression. It's caused them to, to uh, you know, have a hyperthyroidism, for instance. And they don't realize that it's their modem or their cell phone or the fact they live by a cell tower that is actually causing this. And some people um, are actually just sensitive, right? It's cumulative and they become sensitive. They can get headaches or their head feels like it's being pressed you know, in a vice or they might start to overheat very easily. Um, that's what happens to me. And so it's hmm. actually almost a blessing because then you know that, okay, I'm being exposed. I need to reduce my exposure and protect myself. But some people aren't, they don't have that sensitivity necessarily. And what happens is they just get sick. They, they become ill and like yeah. a frog boiling in water, they don't realize it's been these wireless devices that has slowly but surely been doing this. What do you think the consequence will be of uh, 5G phones that people get? You know, now it's on you all the time. Um, I know that, you know, 5G can still go through you and around you, but if you have a receiver that's built to receive and broadcast in 5G, right. what would that do to you? you I, I think you're going to see a lot more illness. You're going to see a lot more cancers. You can see that a younger age, you're going to see a lot faster. You're going to see a lot more infertility, uh, birth defects. It's, and you know, it also, it, it also has a psychological impact. It does cause anxiety and depression and so on. We do know this as well. So I just think overall, our, our general well-being is going to greatly de- decline rather quickly. And unless you're really keyed into 5G and wireless devices, you're not going to know it's happening. Like for instance, in my house, it's very quiet. I have an acoustometer. It's an EMF reader. It's what you use out in the field. And I am speaking right now and my laptop is connected to an ethernet and the antenna within the laptops and the Bluetooth are turned off. You know, I make sure my modem is no longer also a Wi-Fi. I'm actually hooked in from my laptop with an ethernet into actually my router, I should say my router. So I, I, I have done everything in my power to reduce my exposure because I know that it was impacting my health. I was able to figure that out over time. A lot of people won't know it. And by the time they realize it, they're going to be dealing with some type of blood cancer or a tumor or some type of really, really compromised health. And unfortunately, the medical world is not keyed into this yet. In fact, hospitals, just like schools, are some of the hottest environments. They're utilizing 5G everywhere. So here you go into a hospital to recover from injury or illness. And instead, what's happening is you're in a relative microwave. And these, these to let you know, the millimeter wave too, can travel along the circuitry. So, you know, if you have a cell tower near you or you're connected somehow to 5G or it's near you, uh, it'll it'll travel through the wires, uh, you know, through your walls. And so this is happening in, in hospitals, as a matter of fact. So it's, you know, I wish I had a better vision as far as like how we're going to be able to reduce this harm. But the truth of the matter is, I'm, I'm sorry to say that I think there's gonna be a lot of damage done. And by the time we realize, uh, you know, there will be deaths and there will be lives shortened because of this. Well, I guess going on to another wonderful, fun item. <laughs> right, <laughs> how uplifting <laughs> can I be? <laughs> no, it's all right. Well, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the like the whole, uh, you know, the whole COVID situation? <laughs> um, is it, 
I mean, what's, is there anything deliberate about it? Was it accidental? Is it real? Like what are your thoughts surrounding it? Well, you know, it's hard to say, but no matter whether it was bioweapon, whether it was accidentally released or if it's completely natural, I actually don't buy, I'd say the the latter of the three. Um, I, I doubt that it was actually natural, but no matter what, it has been utilized to take advantage of people around the planet. And it has been used and weaponized against the people to remove their freedoms, to, to censor them, to, yep. uh, in America, especially to reduce our democracy and our republic, the power of republic and representation, and for us to be able to just, you know, actually go out there and exercise our fundamental rights. So no matter whatever it is, at the very least, uh, it, it has been weaponized to remove our freedoms, to track us, to surveil us, to keep us in place. And uh, that's a dangerous game. That's a very dangerous game to be playing. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on masks? What are your thoughts on the vaccine, uh, et cetera? I'd like to know. Right. Well, that's other big topics, right? So masks. So when this first started happening, I just gotten reelected for my third term uh, here in Nevada City on the city council. And I was just finishing up being mayor. And in fact, I did sign a declaration of emergency for Nevada City because I'd been watching since January, early January in 2020, I became aware of COVID. And what was really alarming me was not just the virulence of what looked like the virulence of the, of the virus, but how the Chinese government was responding. It was extraordinary extraordinarily draconian. It was quite frightful, really. Mm. And and I just, my own intuition told me that this, whatever this was, it was coming, it's on its way. So they, taught I us, got, they, taught, they taught everyone what to do and everyone followed the uh, you know, right. Like this is, that's, that's right. This is this is what's going to happen. It wasn't just the the the, the virulence of it, but it was the, the the government response, right, of hauling people off and them disappearing and locking up whole entire apartments and locking people away. And I mean, it was it was something out of out of what you would see in Nazi Germany, to be honest. Uh, it was yep. very surreal, and I was concerned about that. But my biggest question was around the virulence. So I did sign a, a declaration of emergency for Nevada City. I did think that the county and the cities were actually very slow in the response to this. I did not think they had responded quickly enough with, I was thinking, quarantine and masks. And so then we finally did do this, right? Come come March. By that time, I felt like we were locking the, the barn door once the horse was stolen. I'm like, this is a little too late, too little too late. Uh, you, if, if this was a deadly virus uh, and we're a hop, skip and a jump away from China, you know, a lot of us would already be infected and probably dying. <laughs> but what ended up happening was, you know, we didn't have enough data at that time. So we had to be extra cautious and conservative. And I thought that's just what we need to do right now. And I was on weekly Zoom calls with our county health departments and the CEO of the county and our mayors and our city managers and so on. And some of the, the consulting doctors. And at the time, well, I thought we did the right, right. What was that? Yeah, that's interesting. You were on these weekly calls. You were privy to some of the inside baseball. So did people in, in power think this was a real threat or did they... Well, we, they were definitely we... treating it as a real threat, but we we had to lead simply based upon the predictive models, right, that we were given. And at that time, Johns Hopkins University uh, was giving regular daily updates. And one of the things they said over and over is that this virus was going to double every five to 6.4 days. Well, that was like back in March, they were saying that. Well, you do that simple calculation and that meant that by the end of April, the whole planet was going to be consumed with this virus. And it was like, oh my Lord, if that's the case, we're really really (laughs) in, in dire straits. So 
so being extra cautious and I was even buying N95 masks and, and, you know, and, and making sure I had everything I needed to um, survive and, 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 you know, and just stock up and so on. So what ended up happening was once we went beyond the predictive models and we started getting some of the data and we found that it was not as virulent, it's like, okay, we should start easing up. And this is the time that, okay, you know, we we're looking at, we had quarantined to, to, you know, of course, to reduce the curve, flatten the curve and make sure hospitals weren't overwhelmed and so on. Right. But what happened is after that, they were still staying on this exact same trajectory, even though the information coming in told me that we should have adjusted our sales as in yeah, about, okay. about May. I thought rationally, depending on the numbers, there would be a rational response, but after about the middle of May, I realized this was totally irrational and the response is just ridiculous and continues. Right. It was the exact same response from as it was months ago when we're just guessing, right? And so they had this, you know, stay home, you know, social distance, put a mask on and whatever you do, be afraid, be very afraid. And that has been being pummeled over our head over and over and over again, um, which I don't appreciate because at that point in time, we knew that with, you know, vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc tablets. Now we even know today with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine and um, ivermectins and so on, we can, we can actually cure this, you know, we can even use it prophylactically. So, you know, we know this now, but our leaders, right. Those in charge did not adjust their cells according to the new information and has been exactly the same narrative today as it was a year ago, which is stay home, be very afraid, uh, you know, close down your life, close down your business. And well, you know, for every, every percentile of economic loss comes, comes, you know, loss of life, right. For every, every uh, 1% uh, rise in unemployment, you lose 37,000 lives across America because of unemployment and depression and alcoholism and suicide and so on. So, you know, what's happening. And I was saying at the time when I was still on the council before I actually stepped down and resigned, I, I was not willing to do my third term. I'm like, this is insane what I, I'm seeing. And so, you know, instead of actually adjusting, uh, you know, accordingly over and over and over again, they just kept boosting the fear using the COVID dashboard, right? And they kept changing yeah. the goalpost. And, and there's obviously a very clear agenda behind all of this, and it had nothing to do with our health. And the, the times over and over again that I called the governor, Newsom, for his uh, unconstitutional overreach of government uh, mandating uh, everyone wear a mask. I knew that was unconstitutional and, and I made a big stink on Facebook and it went viral. Uh, but I, since then I've had a Sutter County judge actually make a decision that supported my, my opinion back there and back in June when he mandated masks. And so there's a lot of nefarious activity going on. There's obviously a very clear agenda and it is being exacted upon the American public um, through the, the, mostly the county health departments. And what's quite scary is that they use what's called fear appeal. It's a very well-known public health policy respected field, right? A field of study. And they use fear appeal, which is like, okay, find something that's threatening you and your loved ones. And then what you do is you, you, you make sure that message is heard over and over and over and over again, and you'll get an individual into a, a point where they're fearing for their lives or their loved ones, mm -hmm. and they will be then anxiety ridden. And you keep that pressure up until finally you give them the solution, right? So they will ultimately capitulate and do whatever it is you ask, whatever you say, which is now you must get vaccinated. Well, the vaccination is a gigantic biological experiment. That's the only reason why it was released into the public is, is because it is under the emergency uh, use authorization. It is, it is actually being put out to the public 
as a biological experiment. And they don't even know if it would prevent COVID, stop COVID from spreading, or maybe reduce the, the um, adverse, refa- adverse effects of, of COVID. But it's, we don't know those being vaccinated. It's not even a vaccination. We had to make sure that's very clear. It's actually an, it's actually an injection. It is not, it's not under the normal definition of a vaccination. So we got to call for what it is. It's, it's an injection. We don't know what it's going to do because the people themselves right now being injected are the experiment. What is the agenda you think and why and whose agenda is it? Good question, right? Well, it seems to be a, a, only a few people at the very, very high levels, and they have definitely assured that the press is subscribing to their group think that the public health departments are doing the same and that, you know, the representatives are doing the same, you know, and I mean, to be honest, this could very easily be war games. I mean, we could very easily be in, in World War Three, and and basically, uh, COVID was a, has been the vehicle um, to come in and uh, take a lot of uh, powers and control away. Uh, this is very much a, a possibility. So um, I, I just See, what, say- I don't, what I don't get is, um, you know, some people are like, oh, it's all about the election in the U.S. and Trump and blah, blah. But the whole world is acting all under the same. I mean, literally, like every country has been doing just about the same thing, except for a few exceptions. And like, why would... Uh, Estonia go along with this. It doesn't make sense. What is that? Right. No, I, well, there's a couple of different things with the CCP. And as I said, this data dump, they did a couple of months ago with all this information about those, all these Chinese communist party members who are American and European and they're around the world. And what they've done is they've used a form of blackmail. They have used a, uh, what they call honey traps, right? Well, they'll, they'll get an elected official or somebody in a powerful position, or they'll let them rise into a power position who has, uh, who can be blackmailed, who has a lot of dirt on them. And we know that this is being used. This is actually their methodology. We know this for a fact. So I think what we could easily have is the CCP has quite intelligently been very quietly going out there and positioning people throughout the planet, particularly throughout the United States and Europe, and, and making sure that they own these individuals because they, they have dirt on them. And they're, they're calling in their cards, essentially, right? They're calling them in. So if there's a, a premier, if there's a, a president, if there's a senator, anything like that, or they're just being bribed as well. But if there's anyone like this and they're not, you know, playing, you know, by the rules, the CCP rules, their life could be threatened or their character, their reputation, their job, whatever, or they could even be taken out for God's sake. But we have to understand there's a lot more behind this and below this than we realize. And it's just not an ordinary um, virus traveling the world. That's just, that's not the case. There's, there's a lot more at play here. Um, I mean, what, so what has been your recent activity then? You you resigned, you know, from the city council, et cetera. I, I understand a protest, but now what can you do? What do you right. do? So, to do? well, one of the things I do, there's a couple of different things is I said, I was stepping down a step up. So I have been doing my own interviews uh, with different uh, respected authorities in their, in their respected opinions or uh, fields. And so I've been doing that. Some of them have gone viral. It's getting information out for sure. Uh, I am working with a, what I call our weekly brain trust is an amazing group of people from actually around the world. People you may recognize some names that uh, we get together on Zoom every Tuesday morning. We have Dr. David Martin from Plandemic. We have Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Christian Northrup, uh, Dr. Pam Popper, of course. Then we also have sometimes Lee Dendis, Sasha Stone, Amani Mamulation, who's the one who's putting it together. She's the host. Myself, we also have Dr. Simone Gold. We have Dr. Mm-hmm. Dolores Cahill, Dr. Carrie Madej. These are amazing 
medical experts who have been going out there onto the forefront, putting the reputation, their character, their jobs, their income, all on the line to call this out. And so these are the individuals that I have these weekly meetings with, and we share information, we cross-pollinate, we coordinate, and um, it's taken, you know, uh, quite a few months, you know, for Mm -hmm. the dust to settle around this. And now that the dust has been settling, we are literally looking around and seeing who's still standing, who still has a backbone, who is still, you know, willing to, to, to fight the good fight. And we have found each other and we are now unified and we're working together. How many of these professionals that you work with have had their licenses threatened or themselves or? Oh, they've all, they've, some of them, oh, quite a few. I mean, jobs have been lost. Licenses have been removed or books will not be, will, will be published. But like Christian Northrup, who's a, you know, New York Times bestseller. Um, she's been on, you know, on Oprah Winfrey show 10 times. And she now has Wikipedia literally saying that she's a QAnon conspiracy theorist. She doesn't know a Q drop if she saw it. She doesn't follow QAnon, doesn't talk about QAnon. Um, and that she's now pseudoscience because she's calling this out. Well, this is, this is all, this is on Wikipedia for God's sake, saying things with Sherry Tenpenny, same thing with Bobby Kennedy Jr. Over and over again, those who are calling out big business, right? Uh, The pharmaceutical industry, their their reputations are being raked over a coal. It is literally modern day McCarthyism. And and that's what I've been saying for quite some time. Like this is, yeah, modern modern day McCarthyism. And, And people don't realize that what they're participating in by censoring people. Because let me tell you, uh, science without debate, science without conversation is simply propaganda. Yeah, and right yeah. now we cannot question any of the narrative. We cannot question any of the science. That's not science. It's a very dangerous uh, road to be traveling on. So well, all I, these, um, if you think about the thousands, tens of thousands of city councils, local, state, federal governments, not just in the U.S., but in other countries, you know, at first, yes, they were given this crazy data and they listened, but are they still being given the same models now? Like, don't they, I mean, you know, again, there's many, many people composed of all these councils and groups and everything. I would think now with their own eyes, they would see, well, okay, this is different from what we've been told, but now are they powerless at this point? Or what Well, there's definitely people waking up for sure. The numbers, you know, those who are kind of sitting on the fence or now mm-hmm. if they're dropping off the fence or coming to our side. But uh, there's a couple of different things. One is I find those who watch uh, Main, Street, Main Street television, the news, especially Main Street news, are the ones yeah. who are really um, going along with this the most without question. And, um, and I do know a lot of people who do want to call things out, but they're afraid of retribution. They're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of losing their friends and family because that is happening to those who are speaking out. That's exactly what's happening. So there are a lot of people who are afraid to speak out, but they have to understand that they're not alone and their numbers are growing. And for instance, there are those who do not want to wear masks, do not believe in wearing masks, right? They know that's not helping us with this virus. In fact, if anything, it's it's having those uh, who wear the, the masks most ardently, they're the ones you know inhaling their, their viral load and getting sick the most. The, the non-mask wearers are getting sick less. And so, but there are people who do not want to wear their mask, but they're afraid of being targeted and called out. So I do say to those who are afraid to go out into a grocery store and not wear a mask or something, that when you see somebody else not wearing a mask, take their lead, take that as a cue. And 
and, and stand with them in solidarity, take your mask off. So you don't have to be the one leading, but you can take it off and be free right now. Mm. Masks are not the answer. Masks are not the only answer. Masks. In fact, we know can do more harm than good for a variety of reasons. There are other alternatives. So I think that a lot of our elected officials, a lot of people who are in powerful positions are afraid to go out there and speak because when they do speak, they see what happens to the Christian Northrop's and the Sherry Ten Pennies and so on. But I have well, to say, there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers. Who's running the show? You think? Who's running the show? Who? Who are like the? Um, I mean, well, what scale is it? Is, well, is, we 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 know the CDC is running the show. Who that World Health Organization is running the show? It uh, looks like the CCP is running the show. You know, and, and then behind them, the World Bank's right, the the IMF, and so on. They're very much pushing this agenda, and that is to vaccinate the whole entire planet. We also know it's, of course, Bill Gates, um, and so on. And yet, you know, we are being treated that the uh, vaccinations, which, which again I'll call injections, are not vaccinations. We're being told that that's the only answer we have. That's not the case. We know from frontline doctors around the world that there are therapeutics that have and will continue to be successful like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and so on. So forcing people into an experimental injection that we know can change the mRNA of the body. And let me tell you, the only time you've ever done any testing uh, on animals around, you know, injecting them with this mRNA has been with ferrets. And, and when, once they were injected, Within the first 48 hours, 30% of them uh, went and had uh, adverse reactions and, and anaphylactic shock. I was going to say, compare less than 1% death to 30%. I mean, it's an obvious benefit, right? Well, no, no, because what happened? I'm kidding, was, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, well, but, but even then, okay, so nobody did that adverse reactions, right? Let's just say that. But four to six months later, 100% of all those ferrets that they tested the mRNA uh, inoculation on, 100% of them died four to six months later, 100%. Well, I was joking because, you know, they I, say I, like, I, I, wasn't, COVID, I didn't pick it up. Like, I see what you're saying. Yes, exactly. it's 99.9997% a survival rate. So why are we right? Why are we doing this? Why are we? It's not about health. It's not whatever it is. It's not about health. If we were worried about health, we'd make sure that child obesity was reduced. We'd make sure that cancer was really, you know, being um, researched. We'd make sure that we had healthy victory gardens of organic food in neighborhoods and, and nursing homes and school lots, right? I mean, we make sure that people are getting outdoors and in the forest and having healthy exercise, right? And we, were, we would be uh, distributing vitamin D and C packets and zinc tablets, right? To fight this and boost right. our immune system if this was about health, but it's not. It's all the exact same thing, which is stay home, put your mask on, be afraid, social distance, uh, while our nursing home, you know, uh, residents are literally prisoners of war. I have had more friends who've lost their children to suicides uh, and to to their parents or grandparents dying of loneliness and uh, depression in nursing homes. And I've had friends dying from COVID. Not that people aren't getting it. I have some friends with COVID right now. I've had relatives with COVID, but they get it then and, and they recover and they're fine. But uh, but the, the devastation of the decision-making by far, uh, we should have done a cost-benefit analysis, you know, eight months ago, 10 months ago, for God's sake, six months ago, and we haven't done that. And we just just from our own anecdotal, I can see uh, that we're doing more more harm than. So what's the end game? Is it just a money play 
or uh, vaccine money or is uh, it yeah vaccine money control it could easily be population reduction i mean i can't i can't um say no to that i can't con- say that i can't consider that control removing rights constitutionality and so on you know basic uh, freedoms so the give you know to implement the the tracking surveillance um system as well yeah for whatever it is at this current trajectory and i do believe it's going to go in in our in our favor ultimately but in this current trajectory that we've been on for the last year is not for our benefit uh but i don't think the game is over let's just say that well what do you think is going to happen from here in the next uh you know by the end of this year what's your guess i i think that in a matter of a few months we're gonna see a lot more deaths a lot of cardiac arrests from those who've been injected particularly from those with i believe moderna it was really quite bad a few months later pfizer is more of an immediate reaction people are are not doing well and also passing passing away dying um, so I think we're going to see that. I think that we're going to uh, see a lot more whistleblowers come forward. I think we're going to see more whistleblowers come forward around the um, manipulation of the data. That's been horrific. And um, I think that you're going to see a lot more recalls happening on the state level, local level, um, you know, all from governors to legislators to, you know, county supervisors and so on. You're going to see start seeing a lot more recall happening. And also, you know, you're going to see a lot more moves being made on trying to reduce our freedoms through uh, vaccination passports. Uh, you can come back only if you're vaccinated. You can go on a plane. You can go to a concert. You can see a lot more of that as well. And I think you're going to see a lot of people becoming very uneasy and discontented with what they're seeing. I mean, I've already heard, oh, even if you get vaccinated, you still need a mask. You still need all this crap, you know, so... I mean, right. do you think See, the public's going to wake up at some point well, after I'm being vaccinated and say, I, like, hey, man, now you changed the rules? Right. Exactly. I'm and surprised they have like, You think there's ever going to be a... Do you think yeah, they I'm, will ever? Or are they just going to Well, say, oh, I, I think they will, gonna... but the problem is, is there might be a big die-off. I mean, that's my whole point, is that this, this mRNA, again, when you look at the animal studies with any mRNA injection, four to six months later they all died. And we have been seeing that even with the Italian doctors and nurses who got vaccinated ahead of Americans. Uh, there's a lot of them in the thirties and forties having, you know, cardiac arrests and dying. So I think that people are going to be shocked when they see what's going on in the level w- will essentially become a, a genocide. So yeah, people will wake up, but by that time, many of them have been injected and inoculated. So, so what's the end game? I don't know, but it's, it's, you know, in, People are waking up, but um, they're really, really listening to the mainstream news and not going beyond um, what they're being told to think and really doing the research. The research is there. The people, there's, I know there's an amazing amount of censorship going on, un- unprecedented, but you can still get information to find out, you know, have a better sense of what's really going on. And people are not, they're just, t- you know, and the other thing I know is that the providers, providers, the medical providers, they are injecting these vaccinations or so these injections into mothers, pregnant mothers. They should not be doing that. They are still pushing these injections onto those who have had adverse reactions first time. Uh, And and even though the manufacturers themselves of these injections say do not uh, inject pregnant women, and if there's adverse reactions for the the first round, do not give the second round. If they're immune compromised, do not inject them. And they're doing it anyway. Yeah, I saw uh, someone forwarded to me on on Facebook, a nurse said, oh, I'm protecting myself and my baby and my family. And, you know, she was 14 weeks pregnant, got the, uh, you know, the injection, and then she lost the baby a few days later. She was actually, she was actually an MD. Oh, really? Okay. MD, and she was, you know, sharing her medical journey saying, you know, I have cancer patients. It's the right thing to do for my baby, my family, my patients. And she took a photograph of her holding up her ultrasound of her baby while she was getting injected. 
And then she tweeted uh, a few days later, you know, I've been telling you and sharing with you my medical journey. It's important that I share this with you and that I, you know, my poor baby has died. My, uh, may she, you know, I miscarried and may she, my, my angel rest in peace, you know, and, and of course, we're also seeing this too, that when this happens, when people die, when they have miscarriages, there's something called the VAERS, right? This is where you are supposed to report yeah. these, these incidences into. And most medical providers don't even know about it, aren't doing it, don't know how. So, you know, and it's very like this, this MD is a perfect example. She would not even dare to associate the possibility of her losing her four week or 14 week fetus with the, the injection. Well, that's insane. You, of course you've got to, of course you've got to consider it. And so that's also a huge blind spot within Western medicine and our providers is that they just, when they see these adverse reactions like Bell palsy, you know, Bell's palsy and, uh, you know, anaphylactic shock, uh, even death, right. You know, miscarriages, they'll pretend it has nothing to do with the inoculation. Well, being that this is a huge biological experiment and each person that does get inoculated should have a in, in, you know, informed consent form that the provider goes to, which takes about 10 minutes, by the way. So you know exactly that this is a biological experiment. We don't know the outcome. You're part of the experiment. That's not happening. Most people don't really know that. They might sign a release form saying, hey, something happens to you. We're not responsible. You're volunteering. You're volunteering. But that's not, that's not the same thing as informed consent. Are all the vaccines that you know of uh, mRNA genetic engineering or some of them actually using like, you know, viral vectors or weakened or dead virus to, uh, you know, like traditional vaccines? Right. These are not traditional. No, these are these are very, very different. This is going in and making your body into a genetic producing machine, a factory ultimately. Right. So you will be actually um, manufacturing the antibodies. And that's part of the danger is that it makes you super sensitive. So when you do get this inoculation, and then you are exposed, let's say to COVID or something later on, your body will actually begin to produce like, like, like a factory, these antigens basically. And we don't know if your body will stop. So what the fear is, and many of the experts out there are saying is that, you know, your body will ultimately start to attack itself until you just, it kills you off. There's no way it, it won't stop. Um, so this is, this is gigantic. And you know, again, we don't know un- until we look back, you know, in time that we know what the impact is going to be. But people have got to understand that this is a biological experiment and you are, you are the lab rat. When do you expect a, a large, I mean, I, you know, so I guess there's been a lot of incidents so far, but, you know, I don't know if they appear in mainstream media. I don't bother to look at mainstream anymore. It's just ridiculous. But um, when do you think there's going to be uh, a huge influx of uh, disability and death from this? Well, 48 hours, you get that, right? You get you get a lot of the anaphylactic shocks and miscarriages and death, right? Usually within 48 hours. And then from what Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who I said, again, she has, you know, 17,000 peer-reviewed uh, papers in one of the largest uh, vaccination repositories on the planet. Uh, she hmm. even has her own servers to accommodate all of this information. She, according to the, the very few animal studies that have been done on the um, mRNA in, in inoculations, she is expecting that after four to six months of recipients getting their last, their second round of, of injections, that we'll, we'll start to see a, a good size die off. So how long has it been since... Uh... I guess at least in the well, U.S. Well, some started in December. Some started in December. So I would say you can start seeing things uh, April, a- end of April. 
And what I mean, will be very if, interesting if, uh, is to see how it's reported in the news, right? The news is skewing everything, right? The yeah. from Associate Press to Reuters to NPR to your nightly newscasters, they're all skewing the information. So we can start having a die-off from the inoculations and they'll say, oh, COVID is a third wave. It's the fourth wave. It's, it's a, the new variant, you know, and they can just like they have been. They've been manipulating the information. We know this for a fact. So they could do it again unless people wake up and, and read between the lines. Well, the other problem, too, is like even if it is reported, they say, oh, there's, there's tons of adverse reactions to the vaccines. Then they could say, all right, well, now we have no vaccine. We need to keep you know the masks and the lockdowns and all this other bullshit right. you know, for another year because right. we got to work on another vaccine. Right. No, they, they've been changing the goalpost the whole entire time. Remember, it was just me for two weeks to flatten the curve, right? That's what this is about. Two weeks to flatten the curve. We're now almost a year in, right? And then it was like, Okay, so you just go back to normal, back to, you know, and of course they were pushing the new normal, new normal, but then like going, if you want to go back to normal, you have to get, a, you know, vaccinated, right? They didn't tell you you're going to be, you have to participate in a, in a biological experiment. That's what this is. They're saying you have to participate in a biological experiment for you to go back to your life. But now that people are doing it, now they're once again changing the goalpost saying, oh, sorry, but we forgot to tell you, we don't know if that prevents you from getting COVID. We don't know if that prevents you from spreading COVID. We don't know if it decreases your you know, health impacts of it. Uh, the adverse impacts. And, and oh, by the way, you know, you still have to stay home, social distance, put your mask on. Well, that's not what they were saying a few months ago. They're saying you get, an, you know, an, vaccinated and you go back to life again. And now they've changed that goalpost again. I mean, people should be alarmed by this. We should have yeah, one. Or like having that with uh, two masks or three masks. Or, right. Just, Which just, is, they're, again, show me the peer-reviewed studies on that, for God's sake. I mean, the more masks you have, that means the less likely your air is going to travel through the mesh. and It's going to be blown out the sides. So it's it's even funnier. But, you know, it's it's what I've been asking for for almost a year now is what's the goal? What's the end goal? What's the end game? What's the metrics? What are we shooting for? And, you know, our response to um, our response to COVID does not match, right, the threat at all. And right. over we've completely over responded. And yet we have not course corrected. Well, I guess I'm not sure what to ask you, but what, what advice do you have for listeners on what they can do, you know, to fight well, against this stuff? And one thing you uh, mentioned is, you know, well, Take first off of all, mask if uh, someone else is not wearing one and show solidarity, but what else can be done? Well, Sherry Tenpenny has a great website called Vaxter, V-A-X-X-T-E-R, Vaxter.com. I suggest going there. She has all this peer-reviewed information there on masks, on, you know, the different vaccinations, on COVID itself and the science behind it and the research. Mm -hmm. uh, so go there, educate yourself. Really, the best thing you could do is boost your immune system, folks. Go out there and grow your own food. Get your hands in the soil. Go for a walk in the in the forest, right? Eat healthy, eat organic. Uh, take your vitamin D, your vitamin C and zinc regularly and, and breathe, breathe fresh air and, and don't lock yourself away. Exposure, it's all about acquired herd immunity and that's key. So, um, and, you know, try to try to convince your friends if you can, you know, but it's hard. Some people are going to just, they're making their own choice. This is their choice, but take good care of your own health and know that there are therapeutics out there that can help you if you do get COVID. It's not, it's not the end. It's not the yeah. end of your life. It does not have to be, you know, and then also uh, I think what's really important too, is if you see someone out there not wearing a mask and you are, you know, have their back, take your mask off, stand in solidarity with them. And, and also 
I think it's really important too that our elected our elected officials, those who continue to run, we need to ask, are they for corporal autonomy? Do they support us having a right to choose over our bodies and are not going to force, you know, uh, biological injections, you know, experiments on us and vaccinations that we can actually make decisions for our own bodies and our own children's bodies? Well, very good. Burnett, is there any follow-up that you want? Uh, do you have a website or anything or should they go uh, to I, I do have, I, I have a, 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 a YouTube channel and my YouTube's are, YouTube uh, videos are being removed. Uh, it's called Renette Senem's Chew on This. It's also, I have BitChute, Renette Senem's Chew on This on BitChute. Uh, and then I also have a, a website called uh, thefoghornexpress.com. Again, the T-H, thefoghornexpress.com. And hmm. uh, you can find me there. And yeah, so we'll just, uh, and you'll see me on an occasional, you know, interview here and there with, with some folks, um, that I talked about earlier with our brain trust. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going away anytime soon. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Renette, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate it. And you take care. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the finding genius podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.